If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. She's called home several times, can't get him to answer the phone. She says she knocks on the door, he doesn't answer the door. I bang on the door, don't get any response. I kicked the door in, David was laying uh, naked across the bed. She asked me if he's okay. All I said was, no, he's not. The paramedics go in the room, they leave, and at this point she's screaming have him come back he's not dead he's not dead imagine the shock of banging on your husband's door he won't answer the door he didn't show up for work and you can't get in so you call police they get there and you find your husband dead lying on the bed from an apparent suicide i'm nancy grace this is crime stories and we are talking about the death of a father, uh, then husband, David Castor, and it appears as though he has taken his life in a very peculiar way that is from ingestion of antifreeze. Again, I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. Of course, all is not as it seems in criminal law. Joining me right now, an all-star panel Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, and author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. Judge and lawyer Ashley Wilcott. You can find her at AshleyWilcott.com. Renowned New York psychologist Karen Stark at KarenStark.com. Alan Duke in L.A. Jackie Howard with me here in the studio and joining me right now, CrimeOnline.com and Crime Stories investigative reporter Robin Walensky, author of Beautiful Life, the CSI behind the Casey Anthony trial. Robin Walensky, so many things scream out at me regarding the crime scene of now dead David Castor, but let's just take it at the beginning so I can, can analyze each piece of evidence. Let's start at the beginning that morning. Isn't it true that he worked at, like, I think it was a heating and air or an electronics um, business that he created? It was his business, 
and wife Stacy was the office manager. That is all correct. And this is a guy who knows Nancy about chemicals, about antifreeze, about how, you know, A interacts with B. So it's very, very strange that when police come to the house and they bang down the door, right, after Stacy's 911 call, they bang down the door and here is this guy who is face down on the bed, naked, no clothes on, and there's a couple of odd items. There's a bottle of antifreeze on the floor under the bed. There's a shotgun under the bed. Next to him on the nightstand is two glasses, and there's a bottle of brandy, and there's a bottle of cranberry juice. Okay, hold on just a moment, just a moment. To Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, Joe Scott, if you were intending to kill yourself, suicide with antifreeze, that's exactly what would be found. He was apparently mixing the antifreeze, which has a sweet taste to it. Don't you remember, Joe Scott Morgan, growing up in the rural South, you were never supposed to allow antifreeze to, like, leak out of your car onto the pavement of your driveway or or wherever because it was so sweet that your pets would drink it. Uh, So if you mixed antifreeze with whiskey or, hold on, Robin Olesky, what else was there? Was whiskey and what else? Did you say cranberry juice? A a bottle of brandy and some cranberry juice. Okay. that Then it would all mix together. That would do the trick, Joe Scott Morgan, and a lot of people who don't want to shoot themselves um, or hang themselves choose poison. So that's pretty much what I would expect to find in a suicide. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you didn't want to shoot yourself, but my God, Nancy. uh, I've never known you to stutter before. (laughs) So what is uh, perplexing you? Well, what's perplexing me, tongue-tied, is the fact that, why are you going to choose antifreeze? Uh, because it's a hit or miss proposition with this. Uh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't you just hear Robin Walensky? His line of business, heating and air conditioning. We've said a million times. Uh, l- let me go to Karen Stark on this. New York psychologist joining from Manhattan today. Karen, we've said a million times not to preach to the choir. That would be Joe Scott Morgan. But People that want to commit a crime do what's familiar to them, i.e., when Scott Peterson wanted to murder his wife, he was a big fisher. What did he do? Took her body out on a fishing boat and dumped it, right? I mean, what did Chris Watts do when he wanted to murder his wife, Shanann, and their children, Bella and Celeste? He took them to where he was comfortable, where he worked at an oil rig, uh, an oil producer at Anadarko. That's where he hid their bodies. That's what people do. They, they go to a place where they feel familiar, that they're used to, that they know well. Here, this guy reportedly used antifreeze, which is part of his business, Karen Stark. I don't find that unusual at all. Well, but there's one thing I'd like for you to consider, Nancy, and that is, yes, it's true, and he was familiar with it, but because he was familiar, that would let him know that you would be in agony, and it would take a long time. And I really don't think that when people are want to kill themselves, that's not been my experience, that they looked for a way that they could have a very prolonged, agonized death. 
They want to do something that will get it over with as quickly as possible. The goal is death, not suffering. Well, I have to agree with that. Joseph Scott Morgan, you're the forensics professor at Jacksonville State University. That She's right. As much as I'm saying this is part of his business, he knows it would kill him. To kill yourself with antifreeze is painful. You will vomit. You'll cough up blood. It does, oh, I my mean, gosh. you could just yeah. as well take a handful of some kind of an opioid yeah. and just go to sleep and never wake up. So she's right about that. Yeah, Karen Stark is right. Yeah, there's kind of this, uh, you know, there's any other number of ways to do this where you just kind of slip off into, you know, painless solemnity. This thing with the antifreeze, it's gut-wrenching, Nancy. You've, uh, tremendous headaches follow with this. You've got respiratory problems. The kidneys fail. And it's, you know, you're looking sometimes up to, with a sufficient dosage, it could literally leave you languishing for almost 12 hours uh, before you finally mm. pass away. But he may not have known that. He may have only known, hey, antifreeze will do the job. I can get my hands on it. Um, okay, you know what? Take a listen to our friends at Forensic Files. David's wife, Stacy, told friends he began to drink heavily and his behavior became erratic. When he locked himself in the bedroom and wouldn't come out, Stacy called police. My husband has locked himself in our bedroom for the last day. Friday night we got into an argument. He was aggressive, but he wasn't violent. Okay, don't cry. We're going to check on him, make sure he's okay, maybe suppress. Are you guys going through something right now? Well, his father died a month ago, and he's been kind of weird acting the last month. David, are you inside? A sheriff's deputy arrived at the house, found the master bedroom door locked, and with Stacy's permission, broke the door down. This is a terrible scene. The guy sprawled naked on the bed. He's face down, but his head is in the corner against the wall. And there's a tremendous amount of vomitus and other biological material on the bed. Emergency medical personnel pronounced David dead at the scene. On the nightstand next to the bed were two glasses. One was half full of a green liquid, another clear glass which had some remnants of something in it. You see it on the bottom. The green liquid was sent to the lab for testing. We were able to identify ethylene glycol, the main component of antifreeze. Ethylene glycol is toxic in large quantities. The autopsy confirmed David Castor ingested a lethal dose. The death certificate came back as, as a suicide. Under the bed, emergency personnel found a shotgun and a container of antifreeze. Investigators wondered if David Castor had a gun why would he use antifreeze to kill himself? Maybe he didn't use the shotgun under his bed because he wanted to kill himself over 72 hours and as opposed to, you know, 72 hundredths of a second. Another item confiscated during the initial search also raised questions. One of the deputies looked in the trash basket in the kitchen area and found a turkey baster. Well, the turkey baster had some traces of green liquid in it. Again, tests showed the green liquid was antifreeze. And scientists found DNA on the tip of the turkey baster. 
the only DNA on that turkey baster is at the tip, and it belongs to David Castor. What in the name of heaven is he doing committing suicide by turkey baster? I've never heard of such a thing. And neither have I. And it takes a lot for me to say I've never heard of such a thing. Robin Walensky joining me, CrimeOnline.com and Crime Stories, investigative reporter, author of Beautiful Life, CSI behind Casey Anthony's trial on Amazon. Robin Walensky, so they are processing the scene at, at the death, the suicide of Castor, David Castor. I really believe what concerned everyone is death by turkey baster. Explain what they mean by death by turkey baster. It was very apparent when they broke his door down that he had committed suicide by drinking brandy mixed with cranberry juice, I believe, and antifreeze. So what's with the turkey baster? So, Nancy, the detectives open that trash can and they see this turkey baster and it's very odd would you be you know you use a turkey baster to you know to put the juices on your turkey to drip 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 so is he self-administering something with the turkey baster you know to joe scott morgan why are they looking in the trash because you always hear how uh, flat-footed the cops are and how they didn't do a good job and they contaminated the scene. And here they are peeking through every single thing in that house when clearly they walk in on a done deal, a suicide. But they're picking through the trash. Uh, they're doing their job. Every death, every death is a homicide until proven otherwise. And apparently, at this point in time, they could not prove this remember what the detective said in the clip that you played earlier he said i've never seen anything like this now who who actually uses antifreeze to commit suicide and so that's left them that's left them scratching their heads a bit so they're going to search they're going to dig even deeper in this and that's why they're digging in the trash can they're doing their job well you're right about that and everything uh seemed to go along in the investigation as normal it was determined to be a suicide until this. I need an ambulance at 4127 Russell Road. And what's the problem? My daughter has taken some pills. She's having trouble, I think. Sounds like there's something in her throat. Ashley. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Trying to try to determine what she took. Ambien. Do you know how many? No, I don't. The prescription was just refilled. Okay, about an entire bottle of vodka. What? So her husband dies of suicide, and then her daughter, she's got two daughters. This one is Ashley, ODs on drugs mixed with vodka. She's not old enough to drink. Ashley Wilcott, well, well how, this, this is when police began to be concerned. When you've got the one dead husband from suicide and then the daughter committing suicide what do yeah. you make of that 911 call ashley wilcott yeah what i make from that is you have an issue because does it happen sure i'm sure it does somewhere but it should raise a lot of flags first of all the whole committing suicide with antifreeze that you all have already talked about not being likely but second then you have a daughter you know mental health can be hereditary depression etc so you need to be aware of that but the fact two have not committed suicide huge red flags to robin walensky 
CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Tell me about the the uh, overdose of teen daughter Ashley. How'd she get her mitts on booze and drugs? Her mother invited her to the house. She was a college student and said, hey, let's have some drinks together and buy some vodka for her. And so they start drinking and drinking and drinking. And the next thing you know, she passes out and the mother is calling 911. Very suspicious. Well, at this point, um, detectives are suspicious, but I, I never got a clear answer. Robin Walensky, you know what we haven't talked about is the first husband. What happened to him? Because David Castor is the second husband, right? That's correct. She was married to Michael, and he was the father of Ashley and the younger sister, Bree. And one fine day, he just dropped dead, and they take him to the hospital. And they say, oh, he had a heart attack, and no one ever does an autopsy, Nancy. You know what's interesting? When I hear the words, quote, he just dropped dead, right when I hear those words, the hair goes up on the back of my neck. When somebody just, quote, drops dead, I'm like, oh, no, they didn't. Take a listen to this. Mike's family had wanted an autopsy, but Stacy said no. The family were very upset about there not being an autopsy and wanted to know, but legally, it's the next of kin that makes that decision. A look at Mike Wallace's medical record showed no signs of heart problems before his death. Even more bizarre, Stacy had both husbands, Mike Wallace and David Castor, buried next to one another. In between the two was where Stacy planned to be buried when she died. This whole thing is kind of like a really bad movie, like that you're in. You're playing a major part and you don't want to be in it. Investigators petitioned the court for permission to exhume Michael Wallace's body to see if there was any connection between his death and the death of Stacy's second husband, David Castor. A judge approved the order. The doctor who was going to be conducting the autopsy felt very strongly that if there was some type of poisoning in his system, that it would still be there. Why? Because the active ingredient in antifreeze, ethylene glycol, in lethal amounts, causes the body to create something it normally doesn't. Ethylene glycol forms crystals which will affect the kidneys of an individual, eventually leading to death. Those crystals remain intact for years after death, and the medical examiner found them during Michael Wallace's autopsy. From our friends at Forensic Files and straight out to Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, Joe Scott explained to me what are the crystals that were found on his internal organs. Now, this is after... The first husband's body has been exhumed, dug up from the grave. Yeah, what's what's fascinating uh, about antifreeze is that when it begins to, uh, when the body tries to metabolize uh, the stuff, the, the two organs that are affected the most are the kidneys and the liver. And as it's trying to make its way through the kidneys, literally the kidneys kind of back up, if you will, and these little tiny crystals are formed.
Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zincom slash find. That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Mike's family had wanted an autopsy, but Stacy said no. The family were very upset about there not being an autopsy and wanted to know, but legally, it's the next of kin that makes that decision. A look at Mike Wallace's medical record showed no signs of heart problems before his death. Even more bizarre, Stacy had both husbands, Mike Wallace and David Castor, buried next to one another. In between the two was where Stacy planned to be buried when she died. This whole thing is kind of like a really bad movie, like that you're in. You're playing a major part in it. You don't want to be in it. Investigators petitioned the court for permission to exhume Michael Wallace's body to see if there was any connection between his death and the death of Stacy's second husband, David Castor. A judge approved the order. The doctor who was going to be conducting the autopsy felt very strongly that if there was some type of poisoning in his system, that it would still be there. Why? Because the active ingredient in antifreeze, ethylene glycol, in lethal amounts, causes the body to create something it normally doesn't. Ethylene glycol forms crystals which will affect the kidneys of an individual, eventually leading to death. To Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, those crystals were found in the internal organs of the first husband, after he was exhumed, dug up from the grave. Crystals explain what 
the medical examiner means by that? Well, what what's happening, Nancy, is just uh, just as was just stated, the the crystals come about as a result of the kidneys literally shutting down. So as it goes into the kidneys, the body's trying to figure out what in the heck am I going to do with this this agent that's in my body? And so what happens is these things actually crystallize. And so the diagnosis at autopsy is not by toxicology. It's actually done microscopically. And when you see these slides, they're quite amazing. They're really striking. It almost just, if the people at home will almost imagine looking through, remember when we were kids and we could look through and see a kaleidoscope and it kind of catches the light like that? That's what it's going to look, look like. They couldn't make it through toxicology because one of the other interesting things is that, listen, when antifreeze is being processed through the body, one of the little molecules that it kicks off is actually formaldehyde. So it's very difficult to kind of separate those two things out. So the only way you can make this diagnosis is through mic microscopy. Um, you know, you've got the first husband who was the father of Ashley and her little sister. And then you've got the second husband, David Castor who committed suicide by antifreeze. Robin Walensky joining me, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. When the daughter, the older daughter, the college student teen, Ashley, ODs, she had written a suicide note, and it stunned police because she explained she killed both her dad and her stepdad for very, very unusual reasons. Tell me what was in Ashley's suicide note. Yeah, well, it's amazing, Nancy. The note left next to the bed was typed out, and she was claiming responsibility for killing her biological dad and then also killing her stepdad. And in the context of the note, she uses the word antifree, as in antifreeze but she calls it anti-free, anti-free, anti-free. And she admits that she's the killer, that she's the murderer. What was the daughter Ashley's motivation to kill her father and her stepfather? It was most likely probably to get some sort of inheritance money. Guys, I want you to take a listen to the number one suspect in the death of her natural father and her stepfather, teen daughter Ashley. When I woke up and saw that police officer standing there, I absolutely knew that I didn't do it. And she was the only one there. So it had to have been her. The final clue was in the note. Stacy let something slip. The cop said that there was antifree in daddy's body. There was always the word antifree in the suicide note. It hit me like a ton of bricks. My first reaction was, oh my God, antifree, antifree. What Stacy said in that interview is exactly what was in that note. It wasn't a note, it was a confession. And it was Stacy Cass that confessed in that note. The more and more we learn about psychopaths, the more and more we learn that there are more of them out there. They just don't rise to the level of, of a Stacy Caster. But Stacy Castor denied any involvement in the two deaths and continued to maintain her daughter Ashley killed both men. It would be up to a jury. 
to decide. Straight out to Ashley Wilcott, juvenile judge and lawyer at AshleyWilcott.com. That's exactly what Robin Walensky was telling us. So you've got the daughter OD'd on pills and the suicide note where she says, I did it for various reasons because um, her little sister, the little sister was the first dad's favorite. Okay. Karen Stark, New York psychologist, the fact that in the typed suicide note, as Robin Walensky was just reporting in the suicide note, she does the, the daughter doesn't say antifreeze with a Z. She refers to it as antifree. That's exactly what Stacy Castor says when she speaks, when Stacy Castor speaks. This is the mother, the wife. She leaves off the Z. She doesn't know it's antifreeze. So your car doesn't freeze up in cold weather. She thinks it's antifree. What she, her, her mispronunciation is written in the suicide note. That's the significance, Karen. Very significant because it tells you that either the daughter is making the same mistake, which is quite improbable, Nancy, or Stacy herself has written this. And it also shows you that in the most perfect crimes that you could think of, there are these little slips, a stunning slip where she misspells and they catch it. So now the entire investigation is in disarray. Could one woman have killed three family members? Your two daughters knew that he was sick. We all knew he was sick. You knew he was, you were the adult though? Yes. Okay. And you, um, you didn't see anything other, any other signs other than what you've already told us about Michael's sickness? No. Now where did you keep the rat poison in your house? In Weesport. There was a box of decon out on the back porch where, in the back of the house. Now, did you, uh, did you hide that from your children so to keep them safe? No, they were old enough to know what it was. They were old enough to know what antifreeze was too? Yes. Ashley used antifreeze a lot when she was driving her car back in uh, 2000? Objection, Judge. Overruled. No. And, uh, so the, uh, the rat port, did you have mice in the house or rats? On the back porch, yes, there was evidence of mice. Okay. And so your, your, your testimony is that Ashley knew where that was? Yes. So when she testified, she had no idea about that. That was incorrect on her part? Yes. Okay. Now, would you agree with me that a 12-year-old uh, a that kills her own father with antifreeze and rat poison to hurry the process along. Would it be fair to characterize that person as a psychotic monster? Objection, Judge. No, overrule. It's a person who has some problems. You are hearing Stacy Castor being grilled about the claim that her then 11-year-old daughter could have possibly killed the dad. Then you have the teen daughter in college he writes a suicide note and then ODs on prescription drugs. What is the truth? Well, maybe this can clarify. The biggest question I ask is why? Why did she do these things? I know that's probably never going to be answered. There are so many things that she has ruined. She'll never be able to see Bree graduate. My father will never take me down the aisle. 
She'll never get to see her grandchildren. All those things she took away from me. She killed two people and tried to kill me and blame it on me and blame me for the other deaths. That bothers me so much. I had to pretend for a year that everything was okay, that nothing was bothering me, even though I was worried about the trial and worried whether the jury would believe me. I hate my mother for ruining so many people's lives. I don't even know why she did it. What gave her the right to play God with people? And I hate her for having me be the one that found my dad, just like her for having Bree found me. I never knew what hate was until now. Even though I do hate her, I still love her at the same time. That bothers me, it's so confusing. How can you hate someone and love them at the same time? I just wish that she would say sorry for everything she did, including all the lies. You are hearing that daughter, the daughter that OD'd on drugs, who went comatose, who was saved in the hospital. They saved her life. She tells cops the last thing she remembers is drinking with her mother. Stacy Castor insisting Ashley is the one that murdered her father and her stepfather over sibling rivalry, that she was never the favorite. What do you make of that? Karen Stark, you're the psychologist. I mean, how common is a child murdering, especially a girl, a teen girl murdering not one, but two parents, a father and a stepfather? She would have had to have been much younger at the time her natural father died of antifreeze. I can't even begin to imagine a teen girl doing that, Nancy, if there is a history of that. I'm not aware of it. But you also are making me think about the fact that here is a mother, and you're a mother, and look at your feelings. We all know how you adore, you live for your children, correct? Yes. And here is a mother, and this is why she's a psychopath, who is willing actually willing to have her daughter be the one that is being accused of killing and going to jail for a crime that she didn't commit. That is just mind-boggling. Well, according to the daughter, she didn't do it, but there is that suicide note. Take a listen to our friends at Forensic File. On the witness stand, Stacy insisted Ashley was the killer. You referred to her very negatively, didn't you? I'm sure I did. That's right, because she killed, after all, your two husbands, didn't she? Yes, she did. I can't give you a reason why she would do it. The jury didn't buy it. Stacy Castor was convicted of murder and the attempted murder of her own daughter. She was sentenced to a minimum of 50 years in prison. You're not just a danger to the general public. You're a danger to the people who love you and are closest to you. Prosecutors could still charge Stacy for the murder of her first husband, Michael Wallace. But with Stacy serving a 50-year prison term, there doesn't seem to be much need. Ashley Wallace has no contact with her mother. If I was to go see her, there better be more than just a plexiglass window in between the two of us. I probably would slap her. But... I'd be so mad and so angry that I would just scream and yell at the top of my lungs because I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't think I ever will understand 
why she did what she did. To Robin Walensky, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, author of Beautiful Life, Robin Walensky, in the end, the jury finds the mother did this. So explain to me about Ashley, the daughter, suicide note. How did they prove that Stacy, the mother, wrote that note? Well, the the number one clue was the anti-free and not the anti-freeze, but also she was on the phone with the younger daughter and she could hear the typing, the click, 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 click of her typing out the note and the timing when they compared the time of the phone call to the time when the note was typed in the computer, it matched. So mommy was the author of that note. We also know that when they did a forensic search, Joseph Scott Morgan, of the computer, that several drafts of that note had been written while Ashley was actually in class. And that was verified. So somebody was on the home computer writing drafts of the suicide note while Ashley was actually at school. Yeah, the stuff is all time stamped, uh, Nancy. It's like a trail of breadcrumbs. Uh, you know, as stealthy as she was trying to be, she was insufficient to the task, I would say. And, uh, you know, just reflectively, how cold do you have to be in order to engage in this kind of behavior? Hey, you know what? That's a question for a shrink. I'm just a trial lawyer. But I got another question, factually. Robin Walensky, something's bugging me. I mean, so many things about Stacy Castor. But what about Stacy Castor's father, her bio dad, the mom's father? What happened to him? He also mysteriously dropped dead in a hospital. He's in the hospital, Jerry Daniels, with her dad. And he had some sort of lung problem. And he was getting better. When suddenly she goes, Stacy goes to visit him, and there's an open Coca-Cola can, and she hands him the soda, and he apparently drank from a can. Very bizarre. Next day, he's dead, too. He kills over, and his body's been cremated, right? That's correct. So we'll never know what happened to Stacy Castor's dad. Joining me here in the studio, Jackie Howard and NLA, Alan Duke. Alan, this reminds me so much of the 1950s case in my hometown of Macon, Georgia, of Anjette Lyles. Because, you know, when all of her family members were in the hospital, she was constantly bringing them homemade food, dishes, lemonade she made herself. Nobody could figure out why they all killed over. She is just like Anjette. It's just crazy what she did. Anjette Lyles, who had the, one of the best restaurants in Macon, Georgia. Did you ever eat there? No, that was before my time, but my mom remembers Anjette's restaurant because my mom at the time was a bank teller, and Anjette Lyles' restaurant was right across from the courthouse, so all the cops and the judges and the lawyers would come eat. There was very popular so I, I've seen this phenomenon, uh, I would say, three times uh, since I've been prosecuting Stacy Castor, the most recent, Lynn Turner before that, that I covered, and Anjette in my hometown. But, you know, Stacy Castor, I mean, she takes the cake, pardon the pun. You'll be happy to know as an addendum, Stacy Castor herself killed over dead behind bars. Wow. I wonder, was it natural causes? Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. 
I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what I'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline 